Just Jack's Golf. Just chat. Um, it's season two. It's episode three, and it's episode two of Tour Talk. Now, if you can hear some strange noise in the background, I am recording this from the local gym. It's the first time I've done it with, with I guess anyone watching or paying any attention, which is a, bit, a little bit strange. But um, my Wi-Fi is down at home. It was the only way to get it done, um, and we need to get this one done because it's 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 about the tour. It's about this week. It's about the Players Championship, and I cannot wait, Sam. So if anyone hears six, seven, eight in the background, <laughs> you'll know why. Yeah, I hope it's not you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, look, I, I guess what we, what we uh, again, what, what our aim is with this, with this sort of series is to educate, inform, and entertain everyone listening um, about the PJ Tour. Um, hopefully give you some new perspectives, different, different perspectives. But I guess most importantly, what, we, what we're hoping we do is um, you know, use our insights to help guide your choices for Fallings uh, fantasy platform to help educate or make, and make some, uh, make some winning choices. If last week's anything to go by, I wouldn't trust us at all because me and Sam both had absolute <laughs> shockers, didn't we? <laughs> ah, I mean, Tommy Fleetwood, I didn't see that miscut coming at all. No. No, no, not Phil at all. Mickelson, I should have known better. Uh, you know, the minute I said it, I wanted to take it back. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I should have known that that was just not a good choice there. No, and I, I guess I guess the the only positives for me were, I guess, uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick and, and Bryson both finished very, very strongly indeed. I mean, let's be, before we get into anything, I want to I want to take a moment to appreciate Bryson. Like we uh we gave him a bit of a we we slagged him off kind of last week. And we also praised him in the same sentence, but. You cannot deny the excellence of that shot at 18, right? Oh, man. I mean, to be able to – the fact that you could, from the right rough there, to leave it between the water and the hole, <laughs> I feel like he could sit there 150 times and not do that again. Dude, the, the, the roof wasn't even burnt out. It was like lush, thick grass over water. He had about what, 170, 180, wind doing Something all sorts like of things. He needs, to, he needs to put this in six feet to give himself a chance of a birdie. And he goes and does it. And there was just, there was something so appealing to me of him taking that on, still thinking he had a chance to win the golf tournament and making the put in that fist pump. I was like, go on, Bryson. I like that. I really like that. Yeah. And he's been, the last couple of weeks, it seems like whatever he's been doing to try to hit the ball farther, he started to figure out how to keep the accuracy he had before while managing to enjoy the increased length that he was hunting after. <laughs> You know he's he's been hot he's been hot for the last couple of weeks. Mate, he, he looks he looks like a Lego man. Like I look at him on the golf course, he's just this square. He just looks like a square with robes on. He looks he, he looks like a he looks like an you know, like um drum the old Madden games and the old like the old rugby oh, yeah. games. He looks like one of those characters like no like no sloping on the shoulders, just completely squared off. <laughs> he's Man, looking, he's I looking say, big. I don't know very many people that are able to get longer that quickly. You know, like, it seems like he wanted to start hitting the ball further two months ago, and a month ago he started to. 
Yeah, he's just, he must just have that obsessive mentality that allows him to to achieve results fairly quickly when he puts his when he puts his mind to something. So, so fair play to fair play to Bryson. Um, but I guess I wanted to again to introduce a new a new little segment to to to, to talk. Um, me and Sam were talking, thinking about how we could make this a bit more interesting and uh, more engaging. What we're going to do before each and every week before we go through the picks, we're going to um, we're going to take a player from the tour. Um, and just sort of just chat about where they're at currently, what we think they can do, that you know people's perceptions of them, where they're strong, where they're weak, and just and just talk about that point in more depth. So, Sam, I think you've got you've got an idea about who we want to talk about this week, right? Yeah, my pick to talk about this week's Rory. You know, I think we talked about this last week for sure. And Rory, as good as he is, and as crazy of a run as he's on, I think he has the most consecutive top five finishes in a row since. Tiger Woods did it, but the key difference between Rory and Tiger is that when Tiger bags those consecutive top fives, a lot of them are wins, and Rory, for all the the getting himself in contention, for the amount of time that you're seeing him on the leaderboards, you know, it doesn't seem like he closes at the rate that you think that he should close. Mm. You look at his scoring average for the season, he's got the best scoring average on tour, no surprise there. When you don't finish outside the top five, good luck to anybody beating that scoring (laughs) average. But he's 79th in Sunday scoring average. And he's got big number problems. You know, you look at Riviera, he shot himself out of the golf tournament, hitting it over the back of the fifth green and making a triple on a hole with no water, didn't even hit it in a bunker, you know, just made a a sloppy triple and just like that knocked himself right out of that golf tournament. And he did it again yesterday at Bay Hill. You know, he made a double bogey on the par five sixth, which was really a sloppy double. You know, managed to skull a bunker shot into the water over the green, couldn't get it up and down from back there. Uh, You know, I know that a lot of guys made doubles at Bay Hill, but keeping the big numbers off the card on Sunday seems to be a bit of an issue for him. Mm. A couple other stats worth noting with Rory. Mm. Rory has managed to do all this, you know, all the make finishing the top five all these times, despite being 180th in driving accuracy, which I was surprised when I looked that up. Yeah, 180th. Wow. And you would and you would think driving the ball in the rough that much, it would be tough week in, week out to have such consistent finishes. But it does help, in my view, explain a little bit why come Sunday when the flags are a little bit more hidden, you know, when the pressure's a little bit higher, that it's tough for him to to hold his ground, you know, hitting the ball all over the golf course. He hit that ball out of bounds at, uh, was it 14? That was ugly. That was ugly. I yeah, think it was, I think it might it was be 12. I think it was 12. Oh, right, the par five. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so he doubled two par fives on Sunday. That's uh, You just can't make up those mistakes. No, I, Another I, I, interesting I, stat. Oh, go ahead. No, yeah, I was just, I was just going to come in there and, like, I guess sort of uh, – I'd add to your points a little bit. Like, um, it's there's no doubting his consistency. It, it's probably it, it's the greatest consistency you're you're, you're going to witness outside of outside of Tiger Woods' run, right? Like, the, the the amount of top five finishes, top ten finishes since he started coming back to his to his best form um, at the start of last year is is kind of mind boggling. Um, Sixteen or seventeen top tens last year. Was he five for five, six for six in top fives this year already? Um, and you do wonder why or how he doesn't close as many torments out. At least that's what you'd think. But if you look at his uh, his win percentage, I, I think he is. I think he's still on around ten percent, which, by any stretch of the imagination, is a good number. 
It's just we see him in contention that many times and that close. It's not like he's a, it's not like he's like hanging around fifteenth or twentieth and you know just making good finishes on Sundays. He is in and amongst the the, the winning pack on a Sunday and he's he's got a legitimate chance every single time he tees it up. Um, so you've got to think like, what's missing? What's the missing link? Now I am a bit of a stats guy and the stats might sort of contradict me here, but like I just don't see enough form with the putter. Um, I don't know what his stats on strokes game putting. I imagine they're, they're quite solid. But that thing just does not get hot at the right times like it used to. A couple of things there. Uh, two st- besides the driving accuracy, accuracy mm. stat jumping out at me, he's 154th on tour in proximity to the hole between 50 and 125 yards. Okay. Which, when you drive the ball as long as he does, you get those, you know, those kind of scoring yardages to be yeah. giving up ground from that close to the green. I think that definitely hurts him on Sundays you know, when you get those birdie opportunities especially at a hard golf course like Bay Hill, if you're not going to be capitalizing on them, it's, you know, you're going to be giving up shots to the guys who are. Mm. Another stat that, and this one I think is probably the most troubling, speaks to the point that you raised a second ago. Inside of 10 feet, he's 200 feet. And come Sunday in, in any golf tournament, if you're not making those six, eight footers or you're not making as many of them as the guys around you are, it's going to be deflating. It's uh, going to cost it you is. momentum. It's going to give away shots. You can't get back, you know? And I think when you look at uh, who the guys are, you know, and, and this was always true of tiger tiger in his prime, that six, eight footer that he absolutely had to have when he was at his best, he always had it. And I think that that's a big missing piece for Rory that he can't that those inside 10 foot putts on Sunday, the big par saves you got to make to keep the round going, you know, the birdie putts that you got to have late, you know, when you hit good shots that close to not be able to pay them off with that putt. You know, I, I think that's a huge piece of what's costing him on Sundays. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree with more of you. And it, it just sort of going back to your stat about, I think, I think being about 150 or something between, uh, well, between 50 and 125 yards. I think that's very similar to what the transition we saw DJ go through in, in 16, 17, 18 time where he was driving the ball, you no, know, probably the, the, the farthest on tour. Uh, but his wedge game wasn't there. You saw him go in the off season. He went away with, uh, he, he went away with Claude. Is it Claude Harmon or Butch is, he works with the Harmons, right? Um, he went away. He does. I don't know which one. I think you're. I think it used to be Butch, and it now might Claude. now be Claude, but I'm not sure. He went away, worked hard, and we saw his wedge game go through the roof. And we saw that. We saw that season way way became number one. I almost think like if Rory got his got his wedge game in, if he could get his proximity to the hole closer, and if he could just find like, I I think it's the pace. Like if you look at when Rory came on the scene in like I don't know 2010 or whenever it was 2011. His putts were like rolling in with speed. They were confident, aggressive putts. And he just seems to be a bit too sheepish with his putting now. I'm not sure if it's this new like Zen approach he's adopted with, with Brad Fax and where it's perhaps making him a little bit more conservative on the greens. But like, I want to see an aggressive Roy McIlroy put. I guess the issue with, with that approach is, is he going to make the comeback at like to be aggressive with a putt like Ricky Fowler is, you've got to be confident making that five footer coming back. I just don't think Rory's head's in a place. And I think when the stats show that he's not rock solid on those short ones, that it will bleed into the longer ones for sure. That you'll recognize I'm not I'm not a guarantee to make that four foot comebacker. So when I have that fifteen twenty footer for birdie, Mm. I, I don't know how comfortable I feel taking the break out of it, gassing it, 
you know, and, and putting myself in a position where I have to go make that putt that I haven't been making as much as the rest of the guys make it. It's crazy because with all that being said, it feels like we've, we've been a bit sort of a harsh and Roy the last sort of few minutes, but that being said, he's still finishing top five every week, <laughs> which is, which yeah. is, which is kind of, which is kind of speaks to the quality of his game when he's, when he's, when he's playing well. It, it seems like he starts tournaments well and sort of fades off. I'm not sure if it's like a, if it's a tournament mentality thing, I, I'm not sure, but like, I want to see that guy win. Cause I think we can see a level of dominance on the tour that we, that we just can't see from anyone else. I think Rory's got the potential to win five, six, seven times in a season. He's got, he's got the, the potential to, to win multiple majors and as well as be a Ryder cup hero this, this year. So like it, it we're still very early in the season. Um, there's some similar signs showing to last year where he still won three times, but he's just not converting enough, enough of those, uh, enough of those positions. But look, I, I probably want to end this sort of debate on a positive where I really hope he, he, he just clicks. I just think like he, he just needs to click and we're going to see like this dominant force and on the PGA tour. And I, I really want to see that from someone. Anytime you can have some concerning stats like Rory has and still manage to not finish outside the top five yet this season, it only goes to show you that when he does clean up the outer edges of his game, that he should be a wrecking ball through the tour. Absolutely. There's, there's so many elite players, but like there's only a few with that like extra level, if you know what I mean, Sam. I'm not sure if you agree. Like There's a, there's a few standout like talented players, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Roy McIlroy, probably put Bryce in there, Spieth, Thomas, like these sort of top level players, but there's only a few with that extra gear. And I feel like Rory's got that extra, that extra spark, that extra bit of natural talent um, that, that has a potential to, to keep him number one for, for, for a substantial amount of time and, and win multiple majors. But I guess, uh, I guess time will tell. He's one of those guys that I believe he can win with less than his best. And I believe if he has his best, nobody can beat him. And that's a really select group. I think that's Brooks Kepka, that's Tiger, that's Dustin Johnson, that's Rory. I don't even think I would put Justin Thomas up there. I wouldn't necessarily put John Rahm up there. I think that's a really select group of people, and Rory is certainly part of that group, no question about it. Yeah, that, that, that's a really good point you make. Um, to not have your best on the PGA Tour and, and still still post those numbers means you, you're something special. Like I just sort of sparked a, sparked a, um, a little mental thought when I, when I was on my little rant there. Um, Jordan Spieth, like maybe let's let's save him for next week. He's a really interesting character. I'd love to get your thoughts and sort of dissect him because he's another one with undoubtedly another level of competitiveness that not everyone has, but not necessarily seen the results that we expect from him over the recent the last two seasons anyway. And in a totally opposite place than Rory is in, where he is seemingly lost, searching, trying to figure out how to get back to being the player that he was a few years ago when people were starting to think here, here's another candidate for the next Tiger Woods. Here's another competitor that seems like he'll always be there on Sundays that that'll make the putts when it matters, that'll do whatever he's got to do to win. And I think it's been a real disappointment the last few years for him. And for anybody who likes him, I think he's a really likable guy. I would have loved to have seen him hold that level, that standard that he had, you know, in 2015, 16, and it's been a, a bummer to watch him kind of fall apart. Yeah, I, th- I think it was the Open Championship in 2017 where he, uh, him and Kucha had a little battle. Um, that that made me appreciate him on a on a whole new level. Where he hit that drive like maybe 80 yards right, um, 
and recovered like that. He he he, he, he hit that. He drained that bomb, didn't he? And he said it was can he go pick that up? Love, I love that heat of the moment stuff. Um, and I yeah, I, I guess I think what we'll do, Sam, is he's an interesting, divisive character again. Um, I'm going to put some questions out to out to the listeners, get their inputs. Maybe we can answer some questions for them and hear their thoughts, opinions on on Jordan Spieth. So we'll uh, we'll be sure to get them this week. Sounds good. So Sam, on onto the picks, onto fantasy. Um, what on earth happened for us? Like what went wrong? <laughs> Oof, I think I'll start by saying I think the golf course played a lot harder than I thought it would. I knew that uh, there was going to be some wind in the forecast. And I probably should have seen coming that it would bake out that golf course a little bit. But you had looked at the winning scores for the last 10 years of, of tournaments at Bay Hill. And it, I, I'm not sure there was ever one that was in single digits under par. They, they kept telling you stat after stat after stat on the telecast about how it's the hardest round they've ever seen at Bay Hill in 20 years, 30 years, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think certainly the golf course played a lot more difficult than I imagined it would. Yeah, that I, having been said, some of my picks should be guys that play well on difficult golf courses. Tommy Fleetwood missing the cut by a, a pretty wide margin. I definitely didn't see that coming. Yeah, I, I, I don't really know what, what went wrong. To give people perspective, I finished 19th out of 24 contestants and Sam finished 22nd. I had a, I had a total combined score of 94 over par and Sam, Sam had it. <laughs> <laughs> Sam had a combined score. Uh, thanks for reminding me. I stopped over. looking after I stopped looking after <laughs> Friday because there was no point. Um, I, I guess, didn't even want to know. <laughs> it, it was it was one seventeen. Sam, it, it, very strong number. Uh, yeah, but what? How many shots was I getting? <laughs> what was my What was my net score? Your net score. I, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was playing in the B flight in the in the net division. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Like, I guess for people listening, like we don't proclaim to be experts. We're we're we're, we're passionate, passionate golf fans. We'll give our um our best insights when we've got them. But sometimes, uh, sometimes the golf course makes you look stupid, both on and off the course. It seems. No doubt about that. <laughs> um, let's move uh, swiftly. We're certainly this. we're certainly living proof of that, aren't we? <laughs> we are. We are. We are living proof. I, I guess let's let's give our sort of three to five minute recap on. On the Arnold Palmer, then it was a it was a great great competition. We we we've discussed at length just prior to we started recording that um it, we found it very refreshing to see a golf course produce a winner at four under par. The conditions were solid. It was dogged. There were double bogeys at every corner. There was wind. There was dry, firm uh, greens. There was thick rough. There was drama. Um, I really really enjoyed watching this this golf tournament. Me too. I think somewhere along the way. Uh, it became orthodoxy that fans love birdies and the more birdies, the happier the fans are. And I couldn't disagree with that sentiment more. I thought the tests of golf at both the Honda and Bay Hill were awesome to watch. You had to hit fairways. You had to be precise with your irons into the green. You missed greens, So it tested your ability to recover. It tested you mentally it was a really variable leaderboard that bunched together and gave a lot of people a chance to win, which created a lot of drama come Saturday and Sunday. Mm. It had everything in a golf tournament you could want from the standpoint of the golf course setup. And I hope that the PGA tour took notice of that and orients their setups towards the more difficult in the future. I think it makes the game so much more fun to watch. It tests people's complete game more. And, uh, and my fingers are crossed that we see the same sort of thing when we get to Augusta in a couple of weeks. 
the last few years, the winning scores have, have been on the lower side. And I know that people love hearing those roars on the back nine on Sunday. I think that golf course will always have that opportunity out there, no matter how firm it plays. But I'd like to see a firm and fast Masters. It's been a little while since we've had one. Yeah, man, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Hopefully this, uh, these last two weeks of the Florida swing have, have maybe set maybe a new trend in, in how people are how people are enjoying uh, watching golf. Like, for me, the fact that Bryson DeChambeau went out there and got it to one under, I think he was maybe three or four shots back when he posted that number. He genuinely felt like he had a good chance of winning that golf tournament. There were only three players ahead of him. There were double bogeys on every hole nearly. Um, and I, I love that. I love, how, I love how a guy can post one under. He can be three or four shots back and feel like he's got a good chance of winning the competition. Um, and I know I, I sang, his, sang his praise at the start of the podcast, but like that shot on 18, you, you're not going to see many golf shots of that quality in that circumstance all year. I mean, it was, it was mind-boggling. Like, yes, he had to take it on. So, like, I guess his mind was made up, but to pull that shot off over the water, in the thick rough, with pressure, with the wind, with the firm greens, uh, was nothing short of, 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 of excellent. Um, so I guess credit where credit is due for Bryson. Um, but I guess hats off to the Englishman, uh, Tyrrell Hatton, who, who got his debut uh, PGA Tour win um, this weekend at, at Bay Hill. Um, he's very entertaining to watch. From an English, I love this guy. I really do. I mean, he's a head case. He's a head case, and I mean that in the best way. That he's passionate. He's emotional. I think I saw a video when he hit it in the water on eleven. He flips the bird to the water hazard. I, I just love everything about it. It's a guy that plays with his heart on his sleeve. You know, good, bad, or otherwise. There was another funny moment with him too, where uh, I think this was Saturday. He had like two feet in a in a bunker, and he but the ball was out of the bunker, and he had to like flip a wedge over the corner of the bunker to a uh, pin that was cut pretty close. Then he hit it to like eight or ten feet, and the crowd the crowd like kind of gave him tepid applause, and he goes, "Tough crowd, I I liked that one." <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's just the kind of guy that that his he can't hide what he's thinking. You know, he's kind of the uh, the anti Hogan. You know, he's. Uh, He's an emotional guy. Sometimes it gets the best of him. And even when it does in the middle of a round on Sunday when he's leading, it doesn't get in the way from him winning. And so I, I, I thought it's refreshing to, to watch a guy that passionate and that, uh, you know, everybody likes to see a little bit of a head case out there, you know? I, I, I love your stance on this, Sam. Like, I was about to ask, as an Englishman, like, of course I'm going to enjoy the fact that he won. But maybe, maybe someone from across the pond might seem as being a, a, a petulant little child. But like, I think people showing the emotions is kind of being frowned upon in the golfing world as being, as being sort of against the etiquette. But like, at the end of the day, these are competitive professionals playing to win uh, in in high high sort of pressure environments. Like I say, do what do what makes you what makes you tick. Like if you need to let your emotions out because you've hit a bad shot, or indeed if you've hit a good shot, then that's great. It makes for great viewing. Everyone loves watching the guy. He's interactive. He doesn't mean any harm. He's just the stakes are high. Um, and I, I love seeing that from someone. So like, I'm glad you've recognized that because I think golf's done a pretty good job at sort of uh, nullifying the personalities out of players, um, you know, historically anyway. Yeah, and, and lest we forget, Tiger's one of the biggest hotheads around. You know, Tiger was leading. I don't know how many shots he was leading that 2000 Open at Pebble by at this time. But when he hit that screaming pull hook into the Pacific on 18, I want to say it was in the third round. 
uh, he let go of uh, poof. Uh, I mean, it would uh, it would make uh, co- the darkest of comedians blush. Some of the things that he said, you know, as that ball was heading into the ocean, and he he's always been because he's a passionate guy. When he's upset, he blows off steam. But his genius was the ability to refocus after that. That he he might be mad in that moment but he's able to flush that by the time he's over the next one. You know, and I think Hatton is a guy who possesses that passion, you know, maybe to a certain extent. He learned a little something yesterday about how to flush some of that before you stand over the next one and not let the tough break or the bad shot from last hole or two holes ago carry over for three, four holes. Because, you know, in, in, in a major championship especially and, and in any golf tournament really – you know, you just you can't take three, four holes off while you pout. So, you know, however mad you might be, you got to be ready to play on the next one. And so, while I love watching him get upset and 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 be true to what he feels in that moment, that I I certainly respect his learning how to manage that as he stands over the next one. That had to be a, a challenge for him to overcome yeah. yesterday, and it sure seemed like he did. Uh, absolutely. I, I think with Tyrrell Hatton, we've seen a guy who's been the nearly man for like maybe three years now, where we've seen the talent, we've seen the, some of the performances, but haven't quite seen the results in the in the key situations. I think this week proved that he's... Um, He's a contender for the for the Ryder Cup team, and he he's one of uh, he's one of England's finest. And just to go back to your, your Tiger points, like we're almost in this honeymoon phase with Tiger now that everyone just wants to love to love him. And I don't get me wrong, I, I love that, but um, the guy slams his driver like no man's business. We, we we're constantly hearing, oh, Tiger, <laughs> that that that, he that sort of hit classic a guy, phrase. If yeah. I remember right, in Australia when he like spiked his driver and it careens into the crowd. Yeah, man, like, he's a hothead. Um, but it, I guess it doesn't really get talked about that much. It, it, it's a good point to raise. But I guess more to the point, um, why not let people be emotional out there? As long as they're not harming the crowd or, or the players or anything, let them get their emotions out. It's high stakes. It's entertaining to watch. Um, but hopefully they can learn to, to get on with it after that. Absolutely. Um, Sam, this week, the Players' Championship. One of the best tournaments all year. One of my favorite tournaments, of course. It's every golf nut's favorite regular season event, I, I, would, I would say. Um, kick us off, buddy. Who, who have we got for the first, uh, first round of picks? All right. So Group A is, as usual, the marquee group. The six guys we got, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, Adam Scott, Justin Thomas. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to come... As a galloping surprise, who my pick is here, I'm going to have to ride the horse I've been riding most of the year. Rory McIlroy, yet to finish outside the top five. He's the defending champion, won there last year. Uh, As much as this is a stacked group, I just don't think anybody makes a better case than he does. Brooks Kepka seems a little lost right now. You know, 74-74 at the Honda to miss the cut. Shot 81 on Saturday at Bay Hill to finish tied 47th lackluster performance at Riviera. There just isn't that form there that you expect out of Kepka. So it's hard for me to to want to pick him. DJ's had some good finishes. He finished second at the Saudi International. He finished in the top ten at Riviera. But comparatively to Rory, you know, really in this group, if you're looking at current form, the only guy who might come close is John Rahm, who finished second at Torrey Pines, finished ninth in Phoenix, finished third in Mexico. I think his worst of the season is a top is a tie for 17th at Riviera. You know, Rom is coming in there with a lot of form. He was in contention, I believe it was last year, uh, at 
the players' championship. I think remember him laying the ball up into the water at 11. Uh, he's a guy who, if you're not going to pick Rory, Rom would be my next pick. Mm-hmm. But how do you pass on Rory McIlroy? Yeah, I'd, I'd concur with every word you just said. There's no no real need for, for me to, uh, to 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 sort of expand upon that. Like, I just see uh, Rory McIlroy's consistency is just just very hard to ignore. Um, he's almost like he's almost in the bag from having a good Thursday and getting himself in contention early. And maybe this is the point in the season at which he uh, he really turns it on, he peaks, wins, and we all start talking about him being a potential winner for the. For the 2020 Masters, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you, man. Roy McIlroy is my my Group A pick. And you got to think his game is exactly where he wants it to be heading into Augusta. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And that's a golf course that does not tax that driving accuracy problem that he has quite so much. You know, I do worry a little bit that the Players Championship and TPC Sawgrass can be a venue that might do that. But I would have said the same thing about Bay Hill, and it didn't stop him from from contending there and I would have said the same thing about the Honda and it didn't stop him from contending there and so I think uh he's been good to me he was probably the only good pick I made <laughs> I made last week so <laughs> I'm gonna ride him till he bucks me yeah I, I agree with you the driving accuracy problem maybe uh maybe gonna pose as a bit of a threat when you consider the amount of water at TPC um but then again man it doesn't take like He's a professional golfer with so much experience. Like, just get your five wood out. Like, there's no shame. <laughs> uh, take a low iron, take a five wood. Um, might see some more conservative play off the tee. Who knows? We'd like to see him hit some more fairways. But um, Roy McIlroy, again, my pick. Group B, let's go. All right, Group B. Patrick Cantlay, Tommy Fleetwood, Patrick Reed, Justin Rose, Xander Shoffley, Webb Simpson. Yeah. This is kind of a group of the next best. You know, I think uh, Group A and Group B encompass uh, 12 of the top 13 players in the world. These are kind of the 6th to 12th type area. Patrick Cantlay hasn't played a ton. He's only made two starts on the PGA Tour this year. He finished tied for 11th at Pebble Beach, tied for 17th at Riviera. Uh, It would instinctively seem like the kind of golf course that would suit him. So I think he's somebody to consider in this group for sure. If you had asked me last week about Tommy Fleetwood, I would have said he'd be another guy that's a great pick here. But coming off kind of the collapse of the Honda and then a horrible Bay Hill, I don't know how eager I would be to pick him. Patrick Reed won in Mexico a couple weeks ago, played reasonably well at Bay Hill, tied for 15th. Uh, you know, he also had a tie for 6th in San Diego. A couple of bad finishes in there. He missed the cut at the Saudi International, missed the cut at the Sony Open, finished outside the top 50 at Riviera. A little bit of a mixed bag with him. Justin Rose, it seems like something is going on over there. He's missed three of the last four cuts. I read last week that uh, the sponsorship deal he signed with, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right, but Homna? Homna? Homna, yeah. Homna. Homna Golf. That it looks like he's parting ways with that company after a pretty short stint with them. Hard to blame him. You know, he played so well with those tailor-made clubs, and now ever since he switched, it's been pretty ugly. So he, Rose he would be win. a guy he, I would completely did, stay away from. He did win at Torrey Pines 2019 with those clubs. With the Hummers? With the Hummers, yeah. I think it was like his second or third start oh, with, with those clubs, yeah. Um, but okay. I agree, like, he hasn't had the same level of consistency. And I'm not sure whether you can blame... Can you blame the clubs? 
I, I think only the, the tour professional can, can turn around and tell you uh, the amount they, they, they sp the amount of time they spend doing the adjustments and, and trying and testing new equipment would suggest that it does make a big a big difference. Um, but like it's just so crazy to see the the the, 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 the sort of the meteoric fall of, of Justin Rose since his um, since his win in San Diego. Like I don't know what I, I, just, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, and it's hard it's hard to get a sense of of what it is that's going wrong. It seems like almost everything is, you know, and I think uh, I can understand how it may not be the clubs, you know, like, like you said, he won with those clubs and there was obviously a reason why he went to him in the first place. But when you start performing poorly, if I'm playing badly, like if I play badly in a certain shirt twice in a row, <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that shirt. It's out. Yeah, it's gone. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I think there's a certain element of uh, that you'll, you know, you'll fire the caddy, you'll, you'll get rid of the, the clubs, you'll do whatever short term band aid thing you can think to do in the hopes that it'll get it back. So Rose is a guy I would totally stay away from. He's got, you know, this might be one of the worst stretches he's had in a while. And so I think, uh, you know, yeah, there's just no good reason to take him. No, and as far as as far as sort of golf shirts go, he wears the ugliest, ugliest shirt. So like, if he needs to change, the first thing he needs to change is 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 golf top because <laughs> I, it's it, it's it's frustrating watching him play sometimes. I'm like, take that top off, Justin. Like, what are you doing? Um, yeah. maybe, maybe it's like maybe it's just a point in life where he's at. Like, he won that ten million or whatever it was at the FedEx when um. Tigers come back, went to the Tour Championship 2018. Like, he won all that money. He's won a major. He's won Ryder Cups. He's in his 40s. Like, maybe there's been some sort of mental transition where he's like, ah, I miss my kids. Yeah, I think Justin Rose is getting on there in years. I think that he's probably starting to feel like I should be at the tail end of what is my prime. This is a good opportunity for me to bring my best game before I start getting into my later years. And I think uh, there may be a sense of urgency for him to get it back. And, and sometimes that sense of urgency works against you. You know, you lose your patience a little bit that you don't give the changes you're making to try to solve the problem enough time to settle, et cetera, et cetera. So he's a guy that just leave him be for now. The next two guys in this group are Xander Shoffley, Webb Simpson. Xander Shoffley's a good consistent pick here. I think that if you're going to be risk averse among the six guys in group B, I think my pick would be Xander Shoffley. He's been, you know, kind of in that 14th to 24th range for the better part of the last four or five golf tournaments. Hasn't missed a cut in a while. So I think you can somewhat comfortably take him and feel like he may not be the best guy in this group, but he's not likely to be the worst. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, he's, he's certainly a good candidate. Webb Simpson's another guy. He had a really hot start to the year. Uh, finished high at the Sony Open, won in Phoenix. But, uh, you know, he, he did not play well in Mexico, and he hasn't played since. I'm not sure making his first – I don't know. He played really well last year. He does have the kind of game that seems like it would suit TPC Sawgrass. You know, very accurate iron player, very very steady driver of the golf ball. He's a previous Doesn't get winner. himself into a lot of trouble. He's a previous yeah. winner. He won you know, 2018, right? Yeah, I think he won, was it two years ago? Yeah, 2018 plays, I think he won, yeah. So he's got good success around here. Yeah, he's got good success there. The golf course suits him. You know, if he, if he you know, shakes off whatever rust may exist from having only played once in the last four weeks or so, 
you know, if, if, if it turns out that back at home, he was doing a lot of work and on his game and, and brings it, it can be the kind of golf course that suits him. I'm just a little shy about picking him only because, you know, his, his last five weeks, he's only played once and it was a, you know, bottom of the pack finish at a no cut event in Mexico. So I think my pick here will be Xander Shoffley. I don't think he's got the potential to be the, I think he's probably not going to be the low man in this group, but I can't figure out who is going to be the low man in this group. And so I think picking Shoffley is not going to hurt me. No, I, I, that's a very good strategic decision. Like Xander Shoffley excites me. He seems to thrive under pressure, right? He's, um, we've seen a few good major performances from him over the last few years. The, the noticeable one for me was the Open 2018 Tigers Comeback Open. At, uh, where was that at again? Royal, at Lytham? Lytham St. Anne's? Um, I want to say 18 was Carnoustie, no? Or was, or was that 19? Which, which, which was the one? It was, 18, it, was the, it was Carnoustie, where it was dried out, where it was super hot. Like, it was completely, yeah. Yeah, it was completely browned out. The one uh, that you're thinking, the one that Molinari won? Yeah. I think that was last year. I think that was it 19. Was, it, it was 19. Was it 19? I'm, I'm getting so confused. Who, how, can I, how do I not know who won the 2019 Open? I'm sorry, you're right. It was 18 because... Uh, Molinari won, Tiger contended, then Tiger contended again at the PGA, and then won the following. Yes. Shane uh, Lowry. Shane Lowry won. Shane Ireland. Lowry won last year. And of I, course. Yeah. Of course. Um, I think when we were thinking of Open Championships, it took us a second to remember Ireland. Yeah, it, it did, because it's been out of the question for so long. You're right. Um, <laughs> but look, I, I guess back, back, back to the point, um, Shoffley is a, a player that excites me. We, I don't think we've seen, um, we've seen his peak yet. And he is very consistent, so smart pick. What's happening, motherfuckers? I hope you're having a great time listening to the podcast. Um, it is sponsorship time, and we are brought to you once again um, by the legends over at Four Links. Uh, what is Four Links? Uh, Four Links is a multi-golf uh, course uh, membership where you pay a monthly fee, and in return, you get points. You then use these points to play. Play in Nevada, play in California, even play in Arizona. Three states, full of courses. Um, they're very community-driven, very customer-focused, and they're all about creating experience for the customer, which is why they've now um, launched um, their fantasy golf platform, where you can utilize your points, enter tournaments, play against your friends, go in head-to-heads, play in leagues, and acquire and accumulate points, then go and use to play. So you can enjoy golf, you can enjoy having a bit of banter with your friends, um, you can enjoy watching it, and then you get rewarded by getting points to then play. Not only that, we're at a very immature stage of the platform. Um, as we see this marketplace develop and mature, we're going to see new product offerings, new things to use your points for. You can already use them to, to buy apparel, uh, to buy lessons, etc. But expect that marketplace to develop um, as time goes on. I'm going to stop the ad there. Those guys are amazing. Go check them out. Um, Back the podcast. Um, Webb Simpson, going to straight up say it, man. He bores the living. Like I, like, I like him. He's obviously had good success. He's got a major. He's got plenty of wins. Um, he's, he just doesn't do anything for me. Like, it, I, just, I just don't enjoy watching him, I guess. He's a household name. Quarterly golf player. Had success here before. He might be a smart pick, but... Um, he just doesn't float my boat. He just doesn't excite me. Um, Justin Rose, I'm not going to pick Justin. Sorry, Justin. Uh, your, your form is awful, pal. Um, I'm not going to pick you. Uh, Fleetwood. Between the form and the shirts, he seems to be yeah. on your shit list for yeah. good reason. Yeah, he is on my shit list a little bit, as much as I do love him. <laughs> like, I want to see, see the old Justin back. Uh, anyway, 
Tommy Fleetwood. Um, again, like that Honda performance seemed to have haunted them. Um, last week wasn't easy, but you'd expect more than a than a miscut and, and a miscut by by some margin. So um, I'm definitely not going with Tommy, but that's not to say he can bring it this week because he is the kind of player who who can just turn up and bring his bring his A game. So I guess the jury's out on that one. But um, I'm not going to be my pick. Um, now Patrick Cantlay and Patrick Reed are the, are the two left. Patrick Cantlay, I didn't know much about until this year. Like, I knew of him, but I didn't know his story. And the story of him, I think he was out on a night out in Newport Beach. Um, his, his caddy gets, gets in his best friend gets run over and killed. I, I didn't know that level of tragedy he suffered. He had his, he had a very, very bad back injury. Um, and this is off the back of being one of the sort of the the most renowned sort of amateur golfers ever, right? He was, he, he was a superb amateur golfer. Went through all that adversity and to see him come back on the other side, I guess it's really heartwarming. I, I think it's um I think it's a testament to his mental strength. So I do like Patrick Cantley, but like I and he and he is a good player. We've seen a few good finishes from him this year. And I kind of feel like this could be his breakout year where he really steps it up. But Patrick Reed's gonna be my pick. As much as like I don't like the guy, um he's entertaining. You can't deny that. And is in terms of his form, like he's one of the I think he's one of the tour's most streaky players when when he when he sort of hits a level of form, he seems to be up there each and every week, and I think we're seeing that run of form from him. Um, it, we're, we're entering major season. Um, we know he likes the Masters. We know he thinks he's thinking about that event. Um, so Patrick Reed's gonna be my pick. Uh, he's a streaky player. He's a very good player, um, and he's entertaining to watch. So Patrick Reed, you're yeah, be I my think, pick. I don't think that's a bad choice. He definitely seems like of these six guys if I had to pick who I felt right now was the most likely to win the mm. players championship, yeah. I would probably pick him. I don't, you know, Rose's form is too bad. You know, I think Fleetwood had a chance to win. Couldn't close. I'm not sure he's ready to win a big championship like this just yet. Uh, Cantley is another, uh, a, a good candidate. Uh, I, I think he's a really accurate player. And I think Sawgrass certainly favors that type of player. Uh, but I do agree that, that, Patrick Reed's won recently. When he plays well, you know, he's a guy that that can contend. You know, he's a guy whose ceiling is probably, like my pick, Xander Shoffley, is a guy who I think his ceiling is not particularly that high, but his floor is high. Reed is almost the other way around. He's got a really high ceiling, but a really low floor. Mm. So I think uh, you'll you'll either be very happy with that pick or very unhappy with that pick. We'll find out. We will. Week. We'll find out. I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a risk, but uh, but yeah, um, Patrick Reed's my my Group B pick. On a Group C, yeah, this is uh, another group of European Ryder Cuppers: Paul Casey, Shane Lowry, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Francesco Molinari, Henrik Stenson, Sergio Garcia. I'll start by saying there are two people I think you can eliminate from this group right away: Francesco Molinari. I'm not even entirely sure if he's going to play. He withdrew like at the last minute with a bad back last week. He's listed as in the field, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, withdraw again. He started the year with three missed cuts at uh, Palm Springs, Torrey Pines, Riviera. You know, since that, that Masters collapse, he's just not the same guy. So I think you can kind of strike him off the list of possibles. And then Henrik Stenson, uh, who was my choice last week, uh, just didn't look good. 77-72 at Bay Hill. Missed the cut by a pretty wide margin. I think he's just starting his season, really. I, I don't think his game is there yet. 
I think that you can pretty comfortably uh, leave him at home and not worry that you're going to miss out on much. He's played well in the past at the Players' Championship. I've seen him up on leaderboards there before, and a guy who's an extremely accurate iron player when he's at his best, like Stenson, would fit well at TPC Sawgrass, but I just don't think he's quite there yet. So that leaves Casey, Lowry, Fitz, and Garcia. I think, you know, he was Fitz was solid last week. He was the only guy that shot in the 60s on Sunday, finished tied for ninth. Uh, you know, he had, had a good start to the year, finishing second in Abu Dhabi. Kind of middling results in the middle, tied 60th at Pebble, tied 30th at Riv, tied 37th at the World Golf Championships in Mexico. Uh, he would be a pretty good candidate to my mind. Shane Lowry has shown some decent form. Uh, he finished uh, tied 11th, tied 13th in the Middle East, tied 21st, tied 29th in Mexico and at the Honda. Finished second to open the year in Hong Kong. You know, he's showing some decent form. Uh, I I don't know if he's quite ready to win again yet. You know, I think, I suspect that winning that Open Championship in Ireland is such an unbelievable achievement for a guy like that, that I think it's only natural for your hunger to subside a little bit for a little while. If he's a guy that is, is... going to get up there, you know, until kind of that wears off. Mm. Paul Casey hasn't missed a cut yet this season, so he's another another guy that you can feel pretty comfortable picking. Garcia's been okay to start the year. You know, his last two finishes have been kind of lame, tied 37th at Riviera, tied 37th in Mexico. Had a pretty good Middle East, tied 6th at the Saudi, tied 8th at Abu Dhabi. You know, he's made all of his cuts, 5 for 5 this year on making the cut, so He's a safe, I would think, kind of a safe pick. But I'm going to piggyback off of you, and I'm going to go with Fitz. He had a great Sunday at Bay <laughs> Hill. Uh, he's rounding in a form. He can, he can putt. Uh, he's an accurate player, which suits Sawgrass. So I think I'm going to go with Fitz. Yeah, look, it, 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 it's not a bad choice um, at all. Uh, Fitz is one of those players, I think, like if, if you really start to watch his game and you, you pay attention to him, you sort of admire his grittiness and his and his and his putting abilities, um, and you sort of think that his, his future is very bright. He's still very young. He's won on the European Tour. Um, he's a consistent performer on the PGA Tour. So I think watch this space with Fitzpatrick. I, I think that's a smart choice. Um, Henrik Stenson, no force. I think I have a bias against Fitzpatrick because he looks like he's twelve. <laughs> he does. He, he, you're right. Like he, when I look so at right. him, I just yeah. think this is like a fourteen-year-old kid playing against men out there. <laughs> you know, like, I know he's not that young, but he just looks like he looks like a, a fetus, you know, and so it's hard. It's hard for me to feel like that, like he's going to hold up against the best players in the world. But, uh, you know, obviously the results speak for themselves. And should maybe get over that that yeah. bias for how young he looks. Maybe yeah, it's just and jealousy. And, he, and, he's, and he's, he's not overly he's not overly sort of charismatic with the media as well. Like I really like the guy. He comes across well. He was on the four play pod. Um, he was he was really good on that. He's just not very. He, I guess he's just quite reserved. So what you what you see from the media perspective is this young looking, shy, tame English guy who's not really done anything. But in actual fact, he's a great performer. Uh, he's good fun. He was on the four-play pod. He was excellent. Um, he drains putts. He's been part of the Ryder Cup team. He's still very young. So I think he goes under the radar. He won the U.S. Amateur, of course, which people completely bypass. It's a, it's an amazing tournament to have 
to have won at uh, all, all the greats have, have won that tournament. Um, so look, I, I think Fitzpatrick's uh, definitely an up and comer and one to watch for the next sort of three to five years. Um, it's a smart choice, man. I'm not going to go Fitz this week. I'm not going to pick the same guy um, week after week, I don't think. So Fitz, love you, but you're not getting my pick. Um, Henrik, uh, like you say, you need, I feel like Henrik needs to warm up his season still. Um, and he's just not there yet for me. We Well, just a, just a meh performance last week. So he's a no for me. Molinari, I have a theory about Francesco Molinari. Um, he beat Tiger Woods for the Open Championship 2018. Tiger had that lead, made a few weird decisions um, on 13 or 14 or whenever it was. Molinari was just relentless, no bogeys, no bogeys, no bogeys, and won. And then what we saw at the Masters was, I think, psychological warfare at its finest. He saw Tiger Woods standing in the corner of Molinari's eye every single shot, every hole, Tiger was there intimidating him. I, I was witnessing something special with with with, psychodel- with um with a psychological warfare, and he has not been the same player since. And it, you can say that categorically. Um, the way he crashed out the Masters was was disappointing, and it it quite obviously had a had an effect on him because he he really hasn't been the same player. I, I really grew to love Molinari. The whole Fleetwood Molinari thing um, at the Ryder Cup was good fun. He became a fan favorite, but he just hasn't shown any form. Um, since 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 last year's Masters, so it's gonna be it, it's hard for me to pick him. You, you say the same thing as well in, in regards to his uh, his health. Is he gonna be fit and play this week? We still don't know. So definitely not going for Molnari. Paul Casey. He always seems to sneak a win in. Um, he's a top. Five, he, he has plenty of top fives. I love his iron play. He could be a very very good pick for this week. I feel like he's due a big big win. Um, he's won in the Florida Swing previously. I think he won at the Valspar. A couple of years back, um, and he, he's he's a quality golf player. Shane Lowry, I'd completely agree with you. Um, it's taken. It, it, I think he's still hungover from the Open, right? For an Irishman to win in Ireland um, in that fashion was was special. Um, so it's it's going to take a lot of coming back from. Although he has had some good finishes, but my pick for for Group C is Sergio Garcia. Um, I think his his ball striking when he's on is one of the best in the world um i love watching his iron play he's always seems to have an entertaining run at um at at tpc sawgrass um and i'm excited to i'm excited to see a bit more of sergio he's been very quiet since his uh since his let's say his uh outward um i don't know how to explain it it's, it's sort of his uh lash out um it is some of his bad shots and how the media have portrayed him um, but I'm going to go with Sergio. I'm going to back him. Yeah, for me with Sergio, I, I think so much was made of him being, you know, one of the best guys not to have won a major that when he finally bags that one, I'm going to have, does he give a shit questions about him every week? You know, yeah. I just get the sense that, you know, he's at, a, he's at an age now where, you know, I, I, I would think if he were to be honest with you, that he would tell you that he doesn't like burn – to win six or seven more majors, you know, I, I think he's got a very happy life. That one thing that people said he'd never accomplish, he did. He did yeah. it at Augusta, which is probably the greatest place to bag. If you're only going to bag one, to my mind, that's the one you want to get. Yeah. You know, and so I'm always going to wonder kind of where where is his motivation at? You know, is there a part of him that's just, you know, I kind of checked every box I wanted to check in life, and now I'm riding it out. You know, he is he is probably the most of the six. He's the most naturally talented one of these guys, you know, and probably 
you know, of the six, maybe is the most likely to win in this group. You know, I, so I do think, uh, you know, he might be another – I mean, he's made all his cuts, so I don't know how high risk he is. But he is, he is probably the guy in this group with the most upside, so I, I think I may rue not picking him. Yeah, I'm but playing I, a little bit of follow the leader on taking fits. <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 I just like the swag that comes with Sergio. He's so entertaining to watch. And, like, I, I love his charisma, his style, like, his, his, his style of play. Um, I just think he's an entertaining character, and he's got so much history behind him. He's one of, like, in terms of, like, my sort of uh, – my history of watching golf. He's one of the OGs. Like I remember him and Tiger coming up the 18th. Was it a PGA Championship in like 99, 2000, somewhere around then, where he hits a ball. Yeah, 99 at Valhalla or at uh, Medina. Yeah, like that's one of my earliest golfer memories. Like Sergio's been a top class player for years and years. Um, and I just think like another another major win would really solidify his place as one of one of the greats. Like he's had an amazing career. Um, Especially when you consider, like, maybe, like, six, seven years ago, his game was at a point where, like, people would think he might not play again. He was a vice captain at the at the Miracle at Medina, right? Like, he, um, there was big question marks about if he would come back, and he came back, won the Masters, and I still think we've got another another three to five years of, of some, of some uh, scintillating Sergio Garcia performances. I do agree with you. Like, where's the motivation where... Where you know you've already you've already done your big fuck you you've already won the masters you've already proved to everyone you can do it at the highest level, um, but if he can refocus himself and, and get motivated, I, I want to see a multiple major winner in Sergio Garcia. Certainly has the game to do it. There's no doubt about that. You know the question is, does he have the head for it? We'll see. We'll see, man. He's had a lot of shit in the media recently. Oh God, I'll my last that. comment. <laughs> my last comment about Fitzpatrick. Don't you kind of feel like Fitzpatrick if you just put him in like shorts and a t-shirt and you put him in the autograph line at a tour <laughs> event that that everybody would blow right by him? Like like they would like he would look. You know, like if you put him in a gaggle of like a, a bunch of sixteen-year-old kids trying to get autographs. No one would be like, "Aren't you Matthew Fitzpatrick?" Like zero people. <laughs> like that. Like for me, you've just you created this image in my head. Like we we need some content creators to 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 film this and, and test out because he's not a well-known guy on the PJ tour. I'm sure you could put him in an oversized T-shirt, some big basketball shorts, and some trainers. Go ask for Bob Watson's. Uh, handy Send him out there to yeah. get autographs and see how many autographs he can get before somebody figures out. Who- <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Look, I, I love your fixation on his on his youth, but like. You, you, you are right. You have a very, very valid point, but that guy can play. <laughs> Moving on to Group D so that I don't continue to give Fitz the business. <laughs> uh, group D, Tony Finau, Bubba Watson, Bryson DeChambeau, Gary Woodland, Matt Kuchar, Ricky Fowler. This is a solid group of American players. You know, I think uh, this is kind of that next tier after Group A and B. You know, these guys are all kind of in that sort of 15th to 30th in the world area. Gary Woodland just won the U.S. Open. Bryson DeChambeau uh, is, is red hot right now. Bob Watson has the, a couple of majors to his name. Tony Finau seems like a guy who uh, is destined for great things to come. Matt Kuchar, you know, he's good for however many top tens a year. Ricky Fowler is probably the greatest putter of these six guys. You know, I, I do think any one of these six could be a good pick. I'm going to go with uh, your boy, DeChambeau. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's on a heater. Like, he finished tied for fifth at Riviera. He finished second in Mexico, fourth at Bay Hill last week. It seems like those changes he's made to his game to, to bulk up and hit the ball farther are starting to settle in. 
you know, I think sometimes when people go chasing that, that it sends them the wrong way. I think it's a really encouraging sign for his game that in such a short span of time, he was able to both gain that distance, but also kind of hang on to the accuracy component of his game. You know, when, when your form's as good as his is, I think, uh, I think I'm going to go with him. Mm. I, um, look, I'm, I'm just going to already, I'm going to tell you my pick now as well. Like Bryson's, uh, Bryson's form, um, his improvements made after that, that weight gain, like a lot of, a lot of analysts were saying, a lot of well-respected analysts are saying, totally wrong way to go, Bryson. Every player in history has tried to do that, uh, lost the game. We've seen Bryson thrive. He's, he's hitting he's hitting long, long balls. I think we'll see that um, improve as we get into the summer in the, in the hotter conditions. Um, he's, he's undoubtedly in form. He's, he's a winner. He's won multiple events before. And, uh, you know, the, the players is a big step. If you win the players... That puts you into a category, I think, of where you really think, wow, Bryson's ready for a major. So I'm going to go with Bryson as well. I mean, I like the rest of the group. Ricky Fowler, I love. I wish he'd win more, but I don't think, he, I don't think he's going to win this week. Cooch, I, I just dislike the guy after after Mexico, to be, to be very honest with you. Uh, he's like the Eddie yeah. Haskell of the PGA Tour. Like he seems like such a nice guy, and then it's like the more the more you read about who he really is, the bigger the dick I think he is. Yeah, man. He's just I thought that fake. movie pulled with the caddy in Mexico was lowbrow. I thought what he the movie pulled with Sergio, where Sergio knocked away like the four inch putt at the Ryder Cup, and Kuchar gave him. Or no, it was, was it at the, the Dell? Was it the Dell? Yeah. Yeah, and. Uh, and Kuchar like said, "Oh, I didn't give it to you." And then Kuchar tried to have it both ways. He's like, "Oh, uh, like, like that." And Sergio's like, "All right, well, you could concede the next hole to me." He's like, "Nah, I'm not gonna do that." <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, he's a prick. I think I think he kind of got a, I think he kind of got a, a rough. Uh, you know, he, he's getting some rough treatment for some of that behavior, and I think. But that having been said, the guy hasn't made as much as he has not a, a consistent guy who manages strong finishes so i do think if you are uh risk averse and you want somebody who you feel like is a safe guy not to miss the cut he probably would fit that bill but to my mind DeShambo's best form most upside here uh, kind of a consensus pick i would expect him to be the highest owned of these six players so if you are looking to make a contrarian pick you know i think Picking opposite DeChambeau might not be the worst idea since I think most of the field is going to take him. I suspect. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And if, again, if you want to, if you want to go for a pick that might stand you um, above you, above you, above your pals, I think Kucha. As much as I don't like the guy, he's a, he's a very, very good golf player. Like there's no, there's no denying. And of course, you've got Ricky Fowler. In his, he, he obviously lives in Florida now. Um, he has done for some time. He's he's due a bit of form. Uh, that we haven't received from Ricky. Ricky could be a very, very good pick this week that not many people will will pick, but could quite easily put in a put in a serious performance. Um, and I believe he, he won the players in 2006, 2017, did he? I think. Yeah, he, he I think he birdied five of the last six holes. Yeah, to win in. Yeah, he did. I think he, it was seventeen. Yeah, he won in emphatic fashion. Like I think I think Woods won sixteen. I think Fowler seventeen. Was it Kaima? Did Kaima win in fifteen or eighteen? I can't remember. I get them mixed up. I do remember him winning one of those, but I don't remember which year it was. Yeah, so like, Ricky's won here before. He's due some form, so that could be a, that could be a good uh, that could be a good outside outside pick. Um, and then Tony Finau, the birdie machine, same seems to have the same problem as Fleetwood. Just can't get that win. Yeah, I agree with that. And he may fall victim to the Puerto Rico Open curse. 
uh, his only PGA Tour win is the Puerto Rico Open, and anybody who's won the Puerto Rico <laughs> Open, that is their only tour win. So I don't know if, if he's going to break that streak. He seems so athletic, hits the ball a mile. You know, if he can get that putter together, I do think that he's got the potential to really do something special, you know. But we're yet to see it, so I'm going to hang in there on Fina until we do. Okay. Group, group, uh, group E. Group E. These are all uh, international President's Cup players. Louis Tyson, Sung J.M., Abraham Answer, Hideki Matsuyama, Jason Day, Leishman. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is an interesting group. You know, if you look at the six, if I were a month ago to ask you to pick from this group of six, it would be like the world's biggest no-brainer to pick Matsuyama, I think. Yeah. But Sung J.M. is on the heater. You know, the guy wins at Honda, finished third last week at Bay Hill. You know, he was a stud at the President's Cup. You know, I think he's an emerging talent on the tour. Uh, so he's, he's definitely a viable candidate. I, I think certainly showing by far the best form. Matsuyama, we talked about this a little bit last week. I never know what to expect from Matsuyama. It's, it's a mixed bag. He finished tied for fifth at Riviera. He finished tied for sixth in Mexico. Bay Hill finished tied for 56th. You know, he, when he has it, it's good when he doesn't, it's not, you know, I, I, there isn't a ton of consistency to his game. Jason day is another guy. Prescient thoughts from us from the last podcast, Jason day withdrew six holes into his second round back issues. Unsure. He's even going to play this week. Uh, it's just hard to pick a guy, you know, who's in that kind of physical shape, mm. you know? And, and I think, uh, I get the sense from him that he's real frustrated with, with physically where he's at and, and not being able to rely on, how, you know, for a guy that's relatively young and, and so talented and is, has not had the opportunity to, to really give his best to the tour. You know, it's, it's a shame, you know, but I'm gonna have to pass on him. Mark Leishman's played pretty well this year. You know, he had a good week at Bay Hill, finished runner up there. He won at Torrey Pines, you know, kind of middling finishes at Riviera in Mexico, but you know, he's, he's a guy that I, uh, the big stage suits him well, and I think he's going to pick off a, a big tournament one of these days. I don't know if this will be the week. So I'm going to stick with the hot hand, and I think I'm going to go with Sung J.M. Yeah, look, it's a, if, you, if you know golf and you, you follow golf every, every as, as closely as much as, as much as we do, like it, it's hard to ignore Sung J.M. He's, I think he's the most active guy ever on the, on the PGA Tour. He just plays week in, week out. Doesn't he? He's got the engine of of I don't know what. He he he's constant. Um, his talent is is undeniable. Like, like you say, he was awesome at the Presidents Cup. Um, and to win, it's some very you know a difficult golf course in in Honda. Some tricky conditions was a testament to to his quality. And and again, to be in the mix, the very the, you know the week after after his debut PJ Tour, when he's straight back in the mix at Bay Hill, it's some of the hardest conditions we've seen on tour in some years he's uh he's an impressive individual so look i i think good pick but the competitor inside me sam wants to beat you again so i'm gonna have to i'm, gonna, I'm not gonna pick sung jay um i'm not gonna pick lou eustace and he's i don't really think he showed me much of late abraham answer i like him i think he's got he's got an amazing short game that's gonna bode well um at tpc sawgrass hideki he just looks like he weighs like a hundred pounds like he's such a little guy I don't know. Touch. Every time I yeah. see him, I, I always think, how does this guy keep up with the rest of the tour? You know, he, he seems, he just doesn't seem 
like he can hit the ball. The stats bear that out or not, but uh, you know, he seems like a guy that just lacks a little bit of the firepower of some of the rest of these guys. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with you. Um, you, you. You're more than likely right, but uh, I, I think he's a very, very skilled uh, chipper of the golf ball. He, he's, he's amazing to watch around the green. So I, I do like Abraham Anser, um, but he's not my pick. Um, Jason Day, like you mentioned, hard to pick a guy who's so injury prone and where we just don't know where he's at with his, with his game. Um, I'm going to go Mark Leishman. I, I, I like his Sunday play. He always seems to entertain the Sunday. Um, he, he makes putts at the right times. He made some very impressive putts uh, yesterday. Um, he, he's very impressive on, on, on quick greens. Um, and like you say, I think a big win's just around the corner for Mark Leishman. He seems to peak at the Masters every year, right? He seems to get, he, he always gets away to a flyer at the Masters. Uh, I think he's led the first and second round a, a couple of times. Um, so look, I like Mark Leishman for this week. He, he's shown some good form. Um, he's won plenty. He's won before. He's obviously had, had a win already this year. Um, if we're going to see more windy conditions, he's a great player in the wind. He's used to that sand belt region in, in Australia. Um, so, look, I, I think firm greens and windy conditions play to his strength. So, I'm going Mark Leishman. Yeah, he kind of seems like almost like a Australian Lee Westwood. Yeah. You know, he's got a, gr- a really tidy short game. Like, he, you know, he makes putts. He, he's a grinder. You know, like you kind of expect him. He's got a lot of veteran savvy to him. Uh, I don't think that's a bad pick at all. I, I, I think, uh, I think, a, it's a safe one. You know, he's got he's got such a good short game to my mind that uh, you know it's just a great like chipper, old school chipper of the ball, like little eights and nine irons. You know, and, yeah. and I think uh, I think he's going to win an Open Championship one day. But, he's got uh, the game. He's, he's definitely think, got the game. Gonna, so. Yeah, you know, and. And it seems to have a good personality for golf too. Seems very even keel. Seems uh, seems like the kind of guy that doesn't rattle easily. No, man. He, that stat of the week has got to be is is ten out of ten for sand saves last week. Like who mm-hmm. does that? He was ten out of ten out on those greens in those like some of his some of his bunker shots were downwind downhill, but he he stuffed them all and made the putts. Isn't that doesn't it seem like that's true of every Australian player? Like every yeah. Australian player seems to be an amazing. I don't know if it's just the the nature of the golf courses that they play on growing up in Australia that those sand belt courses really force you to be a good bunker player. Uh, you know, I mean, certainly you look at like the green complexes and the bunkering at Melbourne. If you went, if you grew up playing there every day, it, it, you'd end up a good bunker player. Ogilvy's a great bunker player. You know, it's just there's something about Australians. They always seem to be uh, good bunker players. Yeah, man, he, 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 that's for sure. And he was, he was so impressive out, out the sand this week. It was, it was a masterclass, really was. Group F, uh, here are six kind of fringe Americans. Phil Mickelson, <laughs> that's a great, that's a great way to describe them. It's such a good word. <laughs> you know, like they don't, these are not, you would be stunned if any of these six guys won. You know, they're not people that you would put even among like the 15, you know, most likely Americans to win. But they're all guys that have won by and large. You know, Phil Mickelson, Brant Snedeker, Billy Horschel, Kevin Kisner, Kevin Na, Jordan Speed. Household names. You know, I think the guy with the most upside here is Phil Mickelson. You know, Phil's best wins this group, I think, going away. But Phil Mickelson's got two third-place finishes, and besides that, he's missed every other cut this year. You know, so I don't know if uh, 
I don't know if I can go back to that well, especially after he burned me last week. Brant <laughs> uh, Snedeker is another guy that, that he had, you know, like a promising beginning to the West Coast swing, but kind of faded away. Billy Horschel was a disappointment last week. Uh, Kevin Kisner missed the cut last week. Kevin, ah, he's so slow and he's such a head case. And I don't know. I just have a hard time picking him. I did it last week and it burned me. I, I went with a nostalgic pick in Phil Mickelson and it burned me. I'm going to go with a nostalgic pick of Jordan Spieth. I think this guy is such a, a gritty competitor that it is only a matter of time before he figures it out. I don't know that uh, anybody of these six guys will win. So I'm really just looking for a cut maker in the bunch. You know, and I'd like to think uh, that, that Spieth will at least show enough signs of promise in his game to, to make the cut among these guys. Yeah, like, I, I really like your breakdown of the, of the fringe group, Sam. Um, like, <laughs> for, for, for me, all stats are going out the window on this, on this group. Um, I'm, going, I'm going based purely on gut and nostalgia, and I'm going with Jordan Spieth as well, because I, I want to will him. I want to will him into, in, into winning again, because like, I, 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 miss, I miss his elite level of golf, because to watch him compete at such a top level in those pressure situations, it's a pleasure to watch. Um, is it like he talks too much probably to his golf ball, but like I think it comes across well to the media. Like I like him as, a, as an individual. You've got to be impressed by his by his track record, and I think like you say, like maybe this maybe that's just designed to be part of Jordan Spieth's career going through a difficult patch because he is such a gritty player. Um, he, he's also a bit of a head case. Maybe he gets in his own way a little bit. Um, but look, I, I really want to see Jordan Spieth with a win. I really want to see him get back to that elite level of of golf that we that we're used to seeing from him. Everyone else in that group, I mean, Phil, you just don't know what you're going to get these days with him. I still think there's a few big wins left in him, of course. He's, you know, he's as fit as he's ever been. He's hitting the ball further. Um, but just too many missed cuts to even think about considering. Um, I'll say this, too, about Phil. Like, with all due respect to, to the great career that Phil has had uh, and, and totally understanding that that attitude of his has gotten him very far in the game of golf, I don't want to hear him bragging about the fucking bombs that he's hitting when he's missing cuts left, right, and center. Like, I'm not impressed at that level with the guy that is the world-long drive champion at 49 that can't hit a fairway. Yeah, man. You know, like, it's all, fu- it's all fun and games to hit at 365, but if you only find the fairway three times out of 14 and the rest of it's all over the lot, uh, you know, like I don't think it's that cute to, to be bragging on Twitter about how many bombs you're hitting. No, it's, yeah, you're right. It's just like I don't know. I don't know what it is with him. I, I don't know if he's just like trying to win a popularity contest at the minute and just and just be the funny guy. Like you've got Fireside with Phil. Like it's it's funny, I guess. Like the whole car thing, funny, good entertainment. I get it, but like I just much rather much rather see uh, a Phil Mickelson that hits fairways, hits amazing chips in and around the green and, and contends because. We're at a stage now where he's, he's 49 years old and he's going to be 50 just after the U.S. Open. He's going to qualify for the for, for, for the U.S. Senior Open. So, like, the 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 the, the, the time um, it's, he's a ticking time bomb, Phil. He's, he's only got a few years left of elite golf. So, like, I want to see it now, Phil. I, I want to see you coming down the stretch like you did against Henrik Stenson um, three years three years back at the Open. Um, I want to see that level of, of competition and performance again. So I'm like, forget about Instagram, forget about Fireside with Phil. 
Forget about hitting bombs. Hit some fairways and try and find score. something within yourself. Put up a yeah. score. Like, you know? Yeah, like, I don't care how far you're hitting it. You know what he feels like? He feels like uh, – this is gonna. This might get me in a little bit of trouble. But Go for it. He feels like that 50-year-old woman that is so desperate <gasps> to think she's as beautiful as she was when she yeah. was 30. You know, like, <laughs> Phil's trying so hard to, to make it seem like I'm hitting it further than ever and I'm hitting bombs. I'm just killing it. I'm driving it like a stallion. I'm still young. And, and yeah. at the end of the day, yeah. it's about winning. We don't care how far you hit it. No one knows in 1986 how high up on the driving distance stats Jack Nicholas was. You remember he won the fucking Masters. And I want to see that fill again. I want to see the fill that, that manages to hit it all over the lot but still wins, you know? Because it's, it's, all of the distance matters not if you're not going to contend. It's, it, it, it's not impressive. Like, yes, I, I'll, I'll grant you at 49 to hit the ball as far as he does, that's excellent. And I'm sure, you know, like down on the range when he's having long drive contests with, you know, like other tour guys, they're amazed at that age. How do you hit it so far? But it's not, you know, a lot of these guys, I bet, I I bet you Tiger's got 35 more yards if he doesn't give a shit about where it goes, (laughs) you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like it's, it's almost like Phil, like make, make the most of your forties and early fifties because you hit those mid fifties and you're not going to compete again. So, like, for me, it's like, Phil, concentrate. Let's try and get another major out of you. Let's try and get a U.S. Open, you know, that all-elusive U.S. Open. Let's try and focus on getting that. Let's focus less about how far you can hit the ball. Let's see another Let's see another season where we're thinking that's, that's the Phil we love. Um, because all this thumbs-up, like, marketing, like, fucking, like, Instagram heavy, hitting bombs is just getting a bit tiresome. I'd just much rather see him compete at the highest level. It would be less tiresome if he was playing well most of the time, but he's not, you know? And so then it kind of turns into like, I forget, I heard Johnny Miller use this phrase, I forget who he was talking about, (laughs) but it starts to feel like big hat, no cattle. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's impressive that he can do what he's doing and he talks quite a big game, you know, but you got to back that up. And so far this season's, you know, say for a couple of top three finishes, you know, he's been ice and, and I'd like, and I, I have come around. I did not like Phil early in his career. I was a big tiger guy. I always thought there was something a little bit kind of disingenuous about Phil, but as he's gotten older and into his, you know, kind of like later years and has one more, you know, I think I kind of came around on, on him and he's now moved into that, sort of veteran I'm pulling for that one last one from, you know, I, I think he's good enough to win majors still. You know, he's good enough to win a players for sure. And I'd like to see him bag that one more big win before he rides off into the sunset. But I, I don't know if it was, was it last year? He was absolutely shit at the players. He couldn't, he, he couldn't hit a golf ball. I think he was, I think he played the same group as Tiger last year for the opening two rounds and he was, he was dog shit. He was, he, yeah. he was awful. <laughs> for a guy, for a guy with that level of elite talent, his bad is bad. You know, like it's just, it's you know, his swing gets long and sloppy, and you know, and and he doesn't seem to manage his way around the course as well as he used to. He puts the ball in just some spots that you just cannot put it. Uh, you know, but I, I do, I do agree with you that there's one more in there. I just, I just hope that we we get to see it before you know it's too late. 
Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. And you're right. You, there was something a bit Makucha-esque about Phil's early days, wasn't there? There's was something a bit like, uh, is he just like the nice guy who mows his lawn in a traditional American like family street? And but he's secretly like, I don't know, fucking half the street and, and killing people. Like there's something. Yeah. A bit, you just don't know quite where he stands. But like like you say, he's, he's got to an age now where. It's like people are rooting for him to, to win. I used to think, I assume you've seen the movie Tin Cup. I, do, I haven't, no. Oh, my God. Is, yes, uh, is it a must-watch, yeah? Tin Cup's a god. If you're a golfer, having it's it's like having not seen. To my mind, it, it competes with Caddyshack for oh best golf movie. Oh, dude. It's Kevin Costner, play, Kevin Costner plays like a driving range pro from West Texas that to impress a girl tries to qualify for the u.s open uh it's it's him don johnson as like his arch nemesis cheech marin as his caddy uh, like I, I i must if we're going to continue to do the podcast i insist that you see tin cup because lord knows this is not the first time i'm going to think to re- this is not the first time to reference it and it's definitely not going to be the last yeah it, it feels wrong of me to not have seen such a such a classic like for me like the legend of Bag of Vance and Happy Gilmore are my current sort of one and two. Um, but I'm, let's, I'm going to watch Tin Cup the next two weeks and we'll do a little review. Let's, let's Absolutely. do that. Um, Sounds like a plan. I've, uh, I've just had an alert on my phone, actually, Sam. Um, new in from, uh, from the PJ of America. They've released a statement um, regarding the, the PJ Championship at Harding Park in San Francisco. Um, Coronavirus. Yeah, man. We are carefully monitoring this rapidly evolving situation as it relates to the 2020 PJ Championship in San Francisco. We're in close coordination and communication with representatives from San Francisco and will continue to follow the guidance of state and city officials and public health authorities. As always, the safety and well-being of all involved is our highest priority. And I believe the backup plan would be to play a TPC Sawgrass uh, if it continues to threaten. So what, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I mean, first off, it's a shame. Harding, Harding Park's kind of a cool golf course, uh, you know, and, and they've been excited about bringing that championship there for a while. Uh, I've gotten to know some of the people who uh, are like the head pro and GM up at Harding Park. Great guys. Awesome. Uh, it's a golf course that we at Four Links work with. So I would be really disappointed to see uh, the PGA Championship not go there. I'm not a doctor, so I'm certainly the worst, probably one of the worst people to assess <laughs> what the risk is of, of pressing ahead with it. You know, obviously everybody's health is the first concern. The last thing you would want to see is, you know, half the people who go to the PGA end up getting the coronavirus. So we'll see. I mean, I do think it would be fun to see a major championship at Sawgrass, mm. uh, especially if, if they really, you know, if, if they set it up to where they were trying to make two, three, four under par win, you know, firm, fast, hard pins. Uh, you know, I think that would be interesting. So we'll see. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't know. It, it, you know, there's plenty of time between now and then. And I still don't think you haven't seen a ton in the United States of sporting events where they're playing them with no fans or anything like that yet. I don't think the panic, the panic's rising, but it's not, I don't know if it's risen to that level just yet. Mm. So I'm optimistic that they won't have to do anything too rash with it. Uh, but that haven't been said. I'm not a doctor. I'm certainly not an expert in pandemics. So I'm yeah, really just crossing like, my fingers. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you've got to be, you've got to be careful what you say on, on these sort of, these sort of matters when you, when you, when you're just a member of the public, like I guess, <laughs> I guess me and you are. Um, my initial thought is that, 
Sawgrass would be a really cool venue to host a major championship. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping it happens at the same time. Harding Park hosting that event would be would be just as awesome. Some really good sports fans up in, in that part of the world. Um, I think we could see for a really dramatic, loud, boisterous PJ Championship, which which is where I think it needs to go. I, I think it lost its way. I think PJ Championship is it needs to rebrand itself after Tiger's uh, after Tiger's performance there. It, was it Balistrol? Is, is that what it's called? Uh, Am I make that up? Yes. Are you talking about Bellarive? I'm talking about. Year? I'm talking about. I'm talking about Bellarive. Uh, no, what am I talking? Right, about? That was two years ago. I'm sorry. Yeah, Bellarive, to, where uh, where Brooks won, right? Like, I, for for me. That was one of the best PGA Championships I've ever viewed. Yes, Tigers run made electric, but we saw a boisterous, busy, loud crowd. And I think, um, I think the PGA of America needs to needs to look at that tournament and try and replicate it. We need to see theaters. We need to see amphitheaters, noise, drama. Um, I think that's what the PGA needs to feed off if it's to maintain its 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 sort of uh, its 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 well, not its major status. It's always going to be a major, but if it's to if it's to remain as you know a key major that people aren't going to shit on, I think it needs something extra, and I think an atmosphere is where it could feed off. I think it was a telling. I read a uh, like survey, anonymous survey of PGA Tour players, and they asked them what's the major you most want to win, and zero percent said the PGA Championship. That's fucking embarrassing for a major championship <laughs> that you're like so clearly the one like that people think the least of. And I think part of the story there is that. It has nothing about it that is unique. Its only selling point, as far as being a major goes, was that it was the last one, and it doesn't even have that anymore. And so I don't really know what the identity of the PGA Championship is. You know, I think the Masters goes back to it. It's the only one that stays at the same place every year. It's got all that history. Everybody who, who watches the Masters knows that golf course like the back of their hand, even if they've never been there. U.S. Open's the toughest test. The Open Championship's got the elements. It's got the Lynx golf. History, you know, all three yeah. of those are so unique. And then you have the PGA Championship, which just feels like a regular tour event, only we call it a major. You know, yeah. and, and so I don't, it, it's like the Australian Open in tennis. I, you know, it, it's not the only <laughs> hardcourt one. It, you know, it's, it, there's nothing about it. Like, people don't seem to care about it. A lot of times the best players don't even go. You know, it just doesn't, it doesn't have, it doesn't do anything for me. I'd like to see, you know, I don't know if it's, they, they have to start going to some screwball venues that are interesting, you know, or something like that. But I, I do think that, you know, it's cachet has gone down to me since they moved it to May. Yeah. You know, I, 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 not up. I think it, it turned, it, I almost like, it feels forgettable. You, you're right, but I, I definitely see an opportunity for the PGA Championship moving the May to be like, okay, let's look at look, let's look at how we can increase the prestige of this event. And I think if you look at current trends and what the current, you know, the, the modern day uh, golf consumer wants to see, we want to see drama, noise, electricity. And I think why not try and replicate the Phoenix Open um, in a major and have a bit like like have a party, rowdy, boisterous major championship that that gets loud and and dramatic. Um, and I think that could be a selling point because that's something a bit different. Where the Masters, you're not going to get that. You're going to get the atmosphere, but like it's a very respectful, like traditional major championship. U.S. Open gets rowdy, I guess, um, but it's more known for its difficulty level. The Open Championship, it's a, it, probably less rowdy, but just as dramatic with, with amazing golf courses and, and steeped in history. Why not let the PGA Championship be the, be the event that attracts non-golfers to the game? They look at that tournament and think, wow, that is electric to watch. Like, 
what what championship can we create that's going to have people glued to the TV? Yeah, and I think you know, I, I might start thinking about changing the format or something. You know that. It used to be match play, and I know that match play is a scary proposition for television, you know, that you can easily, you know, that Sunday final could easily be two totally no-name guys. It doesn't necessarily guarantee the best player in the field wins, you know, but I do think the PGA has got to do something that that gives it something that the other three don't have, because right now it just feels like a junior varsity version of the other three. I couldn't agree more, man, but... uh... Let's see what the PGA of America decide to do. It's going to be an interesting season from here on out. This is where I get excited. The Players' Championship kicks us off for, um, for I got the, you got the players and you got four months of majors in the Ryder Cup um, amongst the FedEx Cup events, um, the whole Tiger situation. When's he coming back? Will he win another major? Will Rory come back um, and, and win a major for the first time since 2014? And will we see Jordan Spieth um, return to return to some former greatness? But... Um, Look, Sam, we're going to wrap up season uh, episode two of Tour Talk. It was a good one. I hope we entertained, hope we educated, and I hope we, we had some better picks this week. Fingers crossed. All right, man, Sam, take it easy. Take it easy. Well, I said take it easy three times now. Um, I'm just going to end it there, man. <laughs> don't forget, And don't forget to take it easy. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>